time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. I got to be honest. Um, I've really never had weekends off in my career ever. Now I'm understanding why people love Friday. I get it now because now I have weekends off. Normally I'm doing a game for many years. I did college football and then it went into college basketball and then it went into spring training, college baseball, six months of a major league season and you're playing on Saturdays and Sundays. And I love it. I love to work. I mean, if I don't work, I'm out of my mind. By the way, this is Scoops with Danny Mack. My name is Dan McLaughlin. Jim Powers is coming up. But, Scotty, now I'm fully understanding why people are jumping around kind of giddy. I went and got a Starbucks. Everybody at the Starbucks, pretty giddy. Pretty happy that, you know, it's Friday. People talking about what they're doing on the weekend. I get it now. And when Randy and I went to go play golf, normally we go on Thursdays and say, hey, Tomorrow's Friday. This is basically already the weekend, and we get hyped. I didn't feel it either until I came back here because I was doing play-by-play in Texas. I never had any weekends off. And you get up at probably, what, 4 in the morning, something like that. In that ballpark, yeah. Yeah, so you get a little rest on the weekends. I get it. Have a little fun on a Friday night. Saturdays, you you got nothing except college football. Sunday, you got the start of the NFL, and then you start working the second half of the afternoon. But... You have time off. It's incredible. I never thought I was going to feel it either until the dang pandemic happened. So I get it. I get what all you guys were talking about and gals. So uh, thank goodness. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Okay. <laughs> 65780. 65780. That is the text line. Uh, you guys were talking about peppers. I really like Julius Peppers. Thank you very much. Uh, Dinger's Donuts, Danny Mac. 314. Delicious at Bush Stadium. I don't think I've had a Dinger Donut. I need to look at that at Bush Stadium. So that is uh, something that I will look forward to. 314 is the Turkey Day game between Webster and Kirkwood happening this year. My understanding, it is. And uh, we'll talk about that with Jim Powers. Jim Powers is uh, the high school sports caravan in Channel 2. I really want to get into how the various areas of Missouri, in particular St. Louis, but how they've handled COVID-19, trying to get through this. I talk about a lot. I got four kids. I got one in high school. So I see how it's affected sports. So if you're a parent out there, I think it's interesting. And to see how they're wrapping up some of the fall sports. I think cross country wraps up this weekend. Some of the swimming wraps up this weekend. And we're in the middle of soccer and obviously football. So we'll get into that. So NFL Thursday night, Aaron Rodgers lit up. You know he loves this. Lit up a depleted 49ers team. 34-17. No one's feeling sorry for anybody in this league. That's the way it goes. Nobody's feeling sorry for us when we're dealing with our injuries. And we had a number of young guys play. We had a number of young guys play. We've you know had uh, you know our many of our star players uh, not play in, in in various games. Obviously tonight, our, you know again our left tackles out. Alan Lazard is out. Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon with the, with the contact tracing. Um, a number of impact players on defense didn't play or or got hurt during the game. Rogers gonna air it out. There he is. Scandling for the touchdown. Right on cue. He's got his second of the year, 52 yards, and Rodgers just let it fly and knew he had an easy six. That's the NFL in 2020. Uh, obviously, they've got hit with the injury uh, bug a lot, uh, a lot more than you usually see. But uh, it's still, still football. It still feels great to win. It was good to be 6-2 and two at the halfway point, first in the division. 
And Aaron Rodgers, he's still rolling. Four touchdowns for Rodgers. So here we are, halfway point of the NFL season. Green Bay leads the NFC North. Seattle the West, the Eagles in the East, and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South. Uh, obviously, you're a keen observer of the NFL. How aware, Tom, are you uh, of what's going on in Foxborough right now at 2-5? and five? And uh, do you talk to your former teammates at all in any way? Well, I have a lot of relationships with uh, a lot of teammates. So, uh-huh. um, you know, I just I wish everybody the best all the time. I, right. I don't ever wish, uh, no. you know, for anyone to not at all not perform at their best. Exactly. And so forth. I certainly wish our team to play the best. Maybe the only team I don't root for is the team we're playing on that particular mm-hmm. Sunday. So Good other than answer. that, you know, it is about us being the best we could be. Sure. Um, it's working hard every day Absolutely. to put ourselves in a great position to be successful. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a guy that's done a couple of interviews before. I ain't buying it. No. You don't think he's loving it? Yes, he is loving it. He is a competitor. He loves it, what's happening right now with the Patriots. He may not like it for some of the individuals. Guys that, you know, Edelman, some of the others that he's tight with. And I'm sure he's tight with so many people in that organization. So the individuals, no, he's not liking that. But is he like going to Tampa Bay and turning them around and potentially being a playoff team, maybe a Super Bowl team, and then the team he left is struggling, and in particular at the QB position? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Of course he loves it. Not only that, Dan, but how about just not having to embark in the New England winter? He's in Tampa Bay, baby. He's got everything on his side. AFC leaders are the Bills, Titans, Chiefs, and the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. So NFL, halfway point, and really no wiggle room. When you think about you know maneuvering some of the games, the bye weeks, moving a Thursday night team to a Sunday or vice versa, whatever the case may be, And the Raiders fined a half million dollars and lost a draft pick, six-round pick, for violating COVID-19 protocols. So that's the NFL saying, look, we're halfway through this thing. We're trying. We're getting through it. COVID-19, the number's going up. But we have no wiggle room. Like, we have none. I mean, those bye weeks and some of those, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, we're trying to get games in. Can't do it to the point that they're trying to expand the postseason. So they're trying to set an example, undoubtedly, with what's going on with the Raiders. And every game that you play every week that passes by, you're inching closer to the big jackpot, which is the playoffs. So they're saying, hey, don't screw this up. Don't mess anything up. We're at a very delicate part of the season, and we just got to keep moving forward. College football, biggest game on the schedule this weekend, Dabo Sweeney and Clemson at Notre Dame. I mean, we're both, you know, top five teams. um, And so I would say it's you know, could be very likely. Uh, you know, this is going to be a heck of a game, and you know, whoever wins it, uh, you don't, you know, you don't get to punch your ticket to. Uh, we don't have divisions. You know, you know, this is this is a different year, so you don't have division play uh, where you can say go ahead and win your division, and you know you're you know you're going there. So you know, no matter what happens in this game, if you win it, you I mean, you got more games to play, and if you get beat. That doesn't mean you're out. Uh, You know, you just go back to work. So to that point of what he's saying, one of those teams is going to lose, and one of those teams could be in the outside looking in with the playoff this year in college football. Isn't this the year to expand it? I mean, everybody's wanted the college football playoff to be expanded anyway. If this was ever the time to do it, now's the time to do it. Go to eight to ten teams. The Big Ten is going to play fewer games. Some of the Big Ten teams may not get to even six. 
and yet you know they're as good as some of the others, like in Ohio State. Now, they haven't been hit yet. Wisconsin's been hit. Um, One of these teams is going to have one loss, Notre Dame-Clemson. I would want to see them in a college football playoff. So this is the year, if any, if you're going to do it, I think this was the year to do it. See, and for me, I'm kind of on the other side of things, Dan. Especially in this year, I feel like college football is so top-heavy right now. Clemson, Alabama, locks. Ohio State, lock probably for the college football playoff. Who's that fourth team? Because to me, if you add eight, then you're talking about Cincinnati being in, BYU being a borderline Fine. team. Great. Those Georgia. guys are going to get stomped. One lost team, Georgia. Right. Yeah, so put I, them in. I like the I like the uh, questions that we're going to have. If it's, is it going to be Georgia? Is it going to be Notre Dame? Because one of those teams are going to lose in the in the, their respective championships. Only one of them is going to get in. And that's what I mean. So why not expand it here? And I I understand your point. I think it's a very valid point. Great point. But. That's what I want to see. If, if you played that full schedule of the SEC, which is a gauntlet of a schedule, and they're playing inside the conference, and you have one loss, I, to me, one loss SEC team, got to be in there. Now, you'll probably have that, but I wouldn't mind seeing two or three of them. That's what I want. Because hypothetically, you would, if you had Clemson, Alabama, and then you had Ohio State, you'll have Notre Dame or Georgia probably. But yep. if it was expanded, then you'd have Notre Dame and Georgia. And then you probably try to pencil in Florida there, depending on how they finish. Texas yep. A&M would be in it. How about an Oregon team out from the West? See, we ha- and we haven't even seen them play yet. Right. It's crazy. So, and they're going to be good. You know, somebody from the Pac-12 maybe. I I don't know. I, I think that's why you would want to expand this, because fewer games. Some teams are playing inside the conference. Like I said, the SEC, it's nuts. Um, I, I'd, I'd take a hard look at it. And by the way, follow the dollar. Make a lot of money. Lots. Baseball, the Indians have said they will trade Francisco Lindor. Derek Gold was a guest of Ribs and BK yesterday. The Cardinals did not pick up a $12.5 million option on Colton Wong, in part because they recognize that the market is going to make his salary for the coming year less than that $12.5 million. The market influence is going to reduce that salary. And they can go back to him, maybe, and sign him, or he might find a better deal elsewhere. But the expectation is that he'll get more guarantee, but not that same salary for 2021. So given that they made that decision to allow for the marketplace to influence a lower salary, what do you think the chances are that they then go after a guy who is immune to that, who is in the arbitration process and do a huge raise without the guarantee of him then signing long-term some of the things you got to think about so you'd get him for one year any team that trades for him you got one year of control you're going to pay him a bunch of money probably about 20 million dollars something like that after arbitration um he is also young this isn't a 31 or 32 year old this is a guy that if you try to sign him long term he's the face of your franchise and by the way he's an incredible player and people say could he fit one of the cardinals let me tell you he fits on every team Every one of them. He's awesome. He's an incredible player. Uh, he's also likable with the media. He'll get involved in your community. And he'll produce on the field. I mean, he's had big numbers. But again, we go back to what does baseball look like after 2021? What does 2022 look like with the CBA? What do teams have coming in? So when you try to make those deals like the Rollins, the Edmonds, the Big Macs, those kind of guys, and then sign them long term, that was that was... That's then. This is now. I mean, you're talking about a massive contract for this guy. Now, would I love to see him with the Cardinals? Absolutely. Everybody would. 
but I'm not giving up a bunch of young players to get them for one year with no guarantee I can't sign them long term. And that's what every team will have to face when you decide to make that kind of move. So why is this offseason so hard for baseball to sign these free agents right now? It could change. The answer, very clear. It's uncertainty. If I were to go to the Cardinals right now and say, hey, do you know what size your roster is next year? For the first time ever, they'd say no. If I were to go to the Cardinals and say, hey, are you going to have a DH next year? They would go, we don't know. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, hey, how many games are you going to play this next season? Well, we got a schedule for 162. It's kind of cute and lovable, but is that going to happen? None of that is known. And they don't have, they have control over some of it, right? Like this week, a lot of teams want clarity. A lot of NL teams want clarity on the DH. Will there be a DH next season? Can they at least start building a team knowing that? Other teams are more, you know, a lot of teams, every team wants to know, is it 26-man roster? Is it 28-man roster? Which do you have to accommodate for? Because that's going to influence some 40-man decisions, okay? So they want to know these things just like fans do and just like players do before signing and all that stuff, right? Um, This week, there's meetings going on and they could come out of that. But some of that stuff is also related to CBA negotiations and what the union agrees on and everything. It's just, it's very complex. And because of that, it's going to be very slow moving. And you throw on top of that the fact that so much of what has to be decided, they don't control at all because the virus still does. You know who somebody uh, wants a little clarity on the season right now and what it may look like? How about Marcelo Zuna? Marcelo Zuna would be a guy that would love to know that because he can't play the outfield very well. Now, if you want to throw him out there, you could. But nationally, teams don't know if they can even sign a DH at this point. We don't know. Ozuna winning a silver slugger yesterday. Uh, by the way, put in Coastal Carolina, you cowards, from the 314. Fine, I'm put him in. Hey, they, they'll be look, my eight seed. They've looked good from the 314, but uh, I don't think so. If you missed it last night, I love watching uh, and listening to Joey Vitale and Alex Ferrario on This Week in Hockey. It's a great show. And last night they had Doc Emmerich on. And I, I'd let now, this is my personal deal because I'm. A guy that does play-by-play. So if you interview Al Michaels, you get Doc Emmerich, you get Joe Buck, you get those kind of guys, any guy, any play-by-play guy, you got my ear. So last night I'm listening to the show, and it was a great, great interview. I would advise everybody, go back to the 101 uh, podcast on the, the site and download it, listen to the interview. They did a wonderful job with it. They asked Doc, after nearly 4,000 games, do you have a favorite game or a favorite moment? Back ahead now comes Sidney Crosby. Crosby tries to dance through. Miller guides it away to the corner. Crosby up with it there. Punched along to Jerome Ginlin. Crosby scores! It's over! The gold medal to Canada! I was most proud to be around hockey uh, because 27 million people watched the gold medal game that was carried on NBC from Vancouver between the United States and Canada. The reason I was proud is this. It showed the best part of hockey where you it's a one-goal game. You can't leave the arena because it's a one-goal game and the net is empty at the other end because the goalie's been pulled. Out of a net mouse scramble, Zach Parisi ties it up. And now the Zamboni's going back and forth. And you're wondering who's going to get the overtime winner. And it turns out to be Sidney Crosby. So Canada wins the gold medal. And there's some time that has to pass before the medals are handled out. 
And in that time, there's an interview done with Crosby. There's another one done with Ryan Miller, who was really gallant despite defeat in performing in the U.S. net. And both of them talked about the Olympic competition, the game, and uh, just carried themselves so well and so wonderfully about the other team and themselves and their teammates and everything that you would want someone to see that might not be a hockey fan that would have seen that game. And I'm sure that out of the 27 million, I can't estimate the percentage, but a lot of people weren't fans of the sport, but they were watching it because it was one of the last events of the Olympics. And the closing ceremony, closing ceremony was going to happen in the very near future anyway. And so that was one of the proudest days that I can say I was around the sport. And why? Because of the athletes that were in it. And that's the number one reason why this sport has flourished despite all of the lockouts and the pandemics that have struck it was because of the guys that suited up and played. Got goosebumps listening to that from Doc Emmerich from the 314, the Canada-U.S. game that you just mentioned, Danny Mac, best hockey game I've ever watched, and my team lost. I'm not sure it's the best I've seen, and I'm with you, too. It was right there with it. It was just an incredible game in Vancouver, 2010, and you really had the face of hockey at that time, Sidney Crosby with the goal. It was just a wonderful, wonderful international competition. Uh, got me thinking, what's your favorite call or game or moment? Now, I know a lot of people are going to say David Freeze. That's an obvious one, 2011. It's one of the best World Series games, if not the best ever. For me personally, behind the mic, it was the uh, the home run hit by Holiday. And I've talked about that a lot. You know, just I know I'm on a personal level, and, and it meant a lot to me. And I just love the moment and seeing guys crying. I mean, it was just incredible. Place was going nuts. I guess... Al Michaels, Do You Believe in Miracles, is probably my favorite call, though, as a fan. And it got me even more interested in the sport. I I love hockey. I absolutely love it. I would say I'm also in the hockey realm. Chris Kerber's call of the Blues winning the Stanley Cup still just gives me chills even telling you right now. Definitely my favorite call. It was incredible. On a personal level for me, Dan, I know that when I was down in San Antonio, the, the men's basketball team that I was broadcasting for wasn't particularly good. And we had an opportunity to knock off the conference favorite, and I I blew the final call. I remember the guy's name. His name was Jarrell Gates, who had a shot at the top of the key to win it. And I said, inbound to Jarrell. Gates fires it up. I, I fumbled. I, okay. I blew it. Okay, so the reason I say that is because they only, they only won three conference games last year. Okay, so I got another chance to call a winner, and I nailed it on the final call. There so you go. That, that is what kind of sentimental value brings to me for broadcasts is for me personally having that opportunity to succeed in another way and then being able to do it so it's the moment that you do remember it's ozzy it's kirk gibson it's the 1980 olympic team but man it's the call that enhances it that we love so much too jack buck's call of ozzy jack buck's many calls 1982 world series uh, you think about Kirk Gibson and the entire inning of 1988 setting that up by Vin Scully. It's it's the moment, it's the player, but man, it's the call that makes it so much of a a part of our uh, sports-loving society that makes it live on. And Dan, when you played it here on the show, that was the first time I had seen it all set together. That's the first time yeah. I had heard it. It's incredible. If you take the time to go back into history, obviously I wasn't alive. I wasn't able to watch that game. So looking back at some of them are insane, and I highly recommend you go do it. Listen to the interview with Doc Emmerich. Really good stuff with uh, Alex Ferrario. 
and our buddy Joey Vitale. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. High school sports is in full swing. It continues this weekend, and no better guest to bring in on the high school scene and really the state of Missouri than Jim Powers, and you see him on Fox Channel 2. Also, the high school sports caravan to talk about the teams remaining, the teams still going, and a chance to win a state title. Hey, Jim, it's always great to see you. How are things going? Doing great, man. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's doing well, and, you know, the kids are – Competing for state championships. I'm actually down here in Cape Toronto at the state volleyball championships. And, you know, it's great to see our student athletes from all around the state able to have the opportunity to be able to compete for, you know, for that trophy and that hardware. So, you know, it, it's great to see the look on their faces when they walk in. And, you know, hopefully we can get through the next three, four weeks and everybody can get the fall championships in. That was really the big question, whether or not they would be able to even get to this point to be able to compete how do you think we have handled this locally and really just in general, the state of Missouri, as opposed to some of the other places in the country of just being able to compete in high school? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the state of Missouri has done a terrific job in handling it. I, I know the Missouri State High School Activities Association and, you know, their executive director, Dr. Kerwin Earnhahn, and their board has just been fantastic. I mean, they, they've done everything they need to do to empower the schools to empower, you know, the coaches and the ADs to get things moving and keep things going to where we can get to the point where we're at right now, where we're halfway through the championship season. Uh, has there been outbreaks around the state? Absolutely there has in, in all sports, and you've come to expect that. Uh, but, you know, I think that around the state, everybody's doing their, doing their part, trying to do the best that they can. I know in our area, uh, you know, St. Charles County and Jeffco and Franklin County, you know, they, they've been they've been starting since, you know, day one and they've done a great job. Once again, there have been outbreaks here and there. There have been some games lost here and there. Uh, but, you know, they were able to get, you know, a, a, almost a full season in and going into the playoffs. I mean, St. Louis County and St. Louis City, a completely different story. I know me and you chatted. Uh, about a month and a half ago about, you know, what, what in the world was going on in the county. And at least they were able to get some games in, able to get some playoff, you know, some district action in. And there's still some great teams that are left standing. Um, I, I really wish that we would have been able to start the fall season earlier for, you know, for the kids. Uh, but, you know, those decisions are way above my pay grade and, you know, a lot of others. So, but at least the kids are out there. We're in the state playoffs, and now, you know, the big thing is keeping everybody healthy and keeping everybody moving to a common goal of making it down to Jefferson City to play for that football state championship or down to Springfield for the soccer state championship. How are teams handling this, Jim, in terms of how they can practice, uh, what coaches do, the etiquette on the sidelines, that kind of thing? I mean, we see it in pro sports with face masks of some sort. Uh, mandated in some cases in pro sports and college sports, but what is it like in the state of Missouri? Oh, it's mandated on the sidelines. I mean, that that's the bottom line. If you're on a sideline as a coach, uh, you, you're in a mask. If you're not a, a starter or playing a lot, you're in a mask. I mean, you know, I'm down here in Cape Girardeau at the state, and I've got my mask. I mean, you know, it's just something that we've got to do. The coaches have been terrific with it, um, and, and they've been educating their their, their student-athletes and that's been the great thing about it. They've done everything they need to do for that education piece. And honestly, 
You know, Danny, I, I give so much credit to the athletic directors and to the principals and superintendents. These guys have worked their tails off since, you know, late May, early June, and putting in these protocols and doing everything that they need to do to ensure the safety of, of the kids. And that's what it's all about. We want to give the kids the opportunity, but we've got to make sure we're educating them. So, you know, you're seeing, you know, the masks on. You're seeing, you know, if you're not playing a lot, you, you're standing back. You're not crowding the sideline. Um, I know in professional football and also in college football, they've extended the uh, the players box and they've done the same thing on the high school side. So they, they've allowed a lot of room for social distancing. I mean, you're not seeing packed houses. I mean, shoot, we're going to see the Smith CBC on Friday, you know, Friday night. And under normal circumstances, it'd be three, four deep up at the Smet. It'd be packed rafter, you know, people hanging off the rafters and the light poles. We're not going to see that. We're only going to see two parents per student athlete. That's going to be allowed in. So, you know, you've seen a lot of those changes as well. But, you know, I think the bottom line for everybody is whatever we can do to get the kids playing and doing the things that they need to do, that's what we've got to do. And the parents have been terrific. And once again, the, the ADs have just worked their butts off. And the education piece to make sure that everybody's safe has gone a long way. And I credit those guys. I put it this way. I've been in, you know, athletics for many years. I would never want to be an AD during this time in this age. You know, I, I would never want to do it. How about um, some of the teams that are still remaining and some of the kids that are making a name for themselves, even in abbreviated games, that kind of thing. But a lot of the colleges are looking at. So some of the best teams that still remain and some of the kids that have really had uh, some pretty good falls here. Yeah, I think you got to look at class six and DeSmet. I mean, they, they are just they picked right back up where they left off last year. Uh, they've played two games. They beat CBC already once this year um, as their first game back. Um, you know, and, and they've got so much talent. And, you know, Robert Steeples, their head coach, has just been absolutely unbelievable in turning that whole program around. I mean, if you look back four years ago, uh, the Smith football program was a train wreck. I mean, they, they couldn't get out of their own way. And now all of a sudden you're talking about a team that won class six last year. And really right now, honestly, they're the odds-on favorite for this year. Uh, when you look at Class 5, you've you got to go over to, you know, St. Charles County and Zumwalt North. I mean, Joe Bacon, I, I can't say enough about him and his coaching staff. They, they've built a program. And, Danny, you've, you've called a lot of the state championship games back in the day when Webb City and Valley Catholic would go back and forth, you know, on who was going to get that lead on who had the most state championships. And that's because they've built terrific programs. And that's what, you know, Coach Bacon's done up, you know, up in St. Charles County with Zumwalt North. And then you, you got to look at Lutheran North. I mean, Carl Reed has just done a terrific job. Um, you know, they're, they're going to make it through their district, but they've got, they've got a gauntlet to go through because they're going to have to play Blair Oaks at some point. And I believe that's going to be in the sectional round. And, I mean, once again, that's a game where you want to see thousands of people there because it's two of the best teams in class four in the state of Missouri. So those are just some of the teams. Francis Howes had a terrific year. You know, Brett Chinacki has just done a terrific job with that program to have one of the best, um, you know, running backs in Mormon that I've seen in an awfully long time out there. Um, you know, you look at Lutheran North, you know, he's got about five or six D one kids. I mean, Trevon Ford is just a beast. I mean, this kid, is as legit of a D1 prospect that I've seen in an awfully long time. Um, you know, and a couple of the kids that, 
we didn't get a chance to see, you know, on the football side of things because, you know, over on the Illinois side, they're not playing football right now. But, you know, you, you look at the, uh, at the making kid from East St. Louis uh, who's going to go out to Mizzou. And, and I honestly believe that, that he could be in a battle for the starting quarterback position, you know, for, you know, Coach Drinkowitz next year. He is that good of a prospect you know, over on that side. So we, we've got so many great kids here in the area, but, you know, the Mormon kid is just a terrific kid. I'll mention another young man, too, down in Festus. I had a chance to see him play quite a bit. With, you know, Cole Rickerman uh, playing for A.J. Lafali. Um, you know, they've had a terrific year, and this kid is just an absolute beast. He, he runs the quarterback position. They do so many different things offensively, and he just – he does a lot of stuff for them and really been impressive all year long. I'm sure, Jim, that you talk to many of the administrators and the ADs and, and what's happening here. And now right around the corner, you've got winter sports in, in the state of Missouri and, and throughout the country. Uh, what are you hearing about trying to get basketball going and, and some of the other major sports that high school kids are playing? Now we're talking about higher numbers in COVID-19. We're talking about indoors. So that's going to complicate things. What are you hearing about trying to make sure that that takes place in, in 2020? I, I think we're going to get swim and dive in. I mean, that's a low impact sport. Um, and they just got the, the, you know, they're finishing up their season next week on the boy, on the uh, boys side of things. And then they'll get the girls season started. Uh, so I think they'll get swim and dive going without any issues. I, wrestling is the one that I think everybody is scared out of their ever loving minds right now. I just think that, you know, the bottom line with wrestling is, that, you know, there's more contact, so to say, than there is on the football field. Yeah. Uh, so I know there's been a lot of work going into how you can put the protocols together to get wrestling going. Basketball is the same thing. Um, you know, you've got that close contact down, you know, in the post area. Um, I mean, it, it's going to be very interesting to see. I know they've, they've come up with protocols. Everybody's prepared to go. Practices have started this week. But a lot of it's going to have to do with how the numbers have gone up, you know, quite a bit over the last month or so. And what, you know, a lot of the people around the state of Missouri are going to decide to do, and especially in St. Louis County, you know, are there going to be, you know, things that are going to walk back a little bit? Are we going to put the winter sports on hold for a little while? I know over on the Illinois side, there's, you know, I hate to say it, you're sitting there watching a staring match between the governor and the state association. The state association saying we're going to play. The governor saying no, you're not going to play, and I, we're not going to be in that type of a situation here in Missouri. But I have a feeling that you know a lot of people may walk things back a little bit uh, to start the fall, the winter sports off. Uh, but you know we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully the numbers go down. Everybody does what they need to do, and that's wear a mask, do the social distancing. I know everybody has heard it a thousand times. But in order for us to keep things going and to let these kids play, those are the things that we have to do to make sure that they're safe and we can move on and do the winter sports. And then finally, for some of the kids that uh, wanted to play this fall and maybe only got in a couple of games, three games, four games, whatever the case may be, and they need more tape or they need something for colleges to see, whatever the case may be, or a chance to just play a little bit more to improve their skills. Are they doing anything for those kids or is it just hey your team's out and season is over no actually there are some schools that are playing you know some schools that got knocked out last week um they're picking up some games this week and same thing you know that's the that's the great thing about what we can do 
here in Missouri and especially in St. Louis County is that you can you can play games up and up till the state championships, which would be the Saturday after Thanksgiving when the Class Six championship is, as long as you don't go over your contact days. And I know a lot of schools in the county are picking up those extra games. I believe Webster and Melville is going to play. Um, I know Kirkwood's going to look for a game. They're in quarantine for one more week. I think they're going to look for a game before the Turkey Day game with Webster. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of schools that are going to be looking to pick up some games here over the next two, three weeks uh, to, to give those kids those opportunities. And, and you hit it on the head. And that was one of the biggest things, you know, Danny, that I spoke about a lot when the county wasn't letting these kids play was you need all the tape. These kids need tape. You know, you've got some tremendous kids out there that were hoping to get college scholarships, whether it's D1, D2, D3, NAIA, it doesn't matter. You know, they needed to get some film and do some things out on the field to get some eyebrows raised. And especially now how recruiting is, a lot of coaches are doing it more via video because they're not allowed out to do live recruiting right now. And, you know, you're seeing a lot more tape, you know, video watching and different things along those lines. So I love the high school coaches. And once again, the administrators, they're giving the kids every opportunity. As long if they get knocked out of the playoffs, they're trying to pick up a couple regular season games for them to, you know, help their kids build the program, but also help those kids get that recruiting film that they're going to need to move on to the next level. Hey, Jimmy, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. I know you're really busy with the volleyball championships and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for doing this. No problem, Danny. And whatever we can do to keep the kids on the floor and on the court and everything, that's what we want to do. So it's great to see the kids out here at the Show Me Center playing some volleyball and competing. So it's awesome. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. That's Jim Powers on Scoops with Danny Mack. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. All right, we wait for basketball season. We're hoping the college uh, basketball season gets going right around the 25th of November. No indications as to whether or not they would shut that down, push it back. So it looks like that's on schedule. What about the NBA? Brian Windhorst says that December 22nd, Brian Windhorst, ESPN Insider, the 22nd of December, short turnaround from the finals could be happening. Well, it's not going over well, but the owners kind of came to a, an understanding that they could, because I think there was a time within the last month where they were like, look, we're going to wait. If it's mid-January, if it's February, we're going to wait until we can have fans in the building. But they're looking at what's happening with the virus in this country. And they're like, guys, we could wait until February that we could be in the exact same boat with this virus. We're not any closer to a vaccine. And we could have lost our opportunity to have a full season before the Olympics. And so they they shifted, as is happening in our world right now. People are shifting uh, their worldview. And so, they're, again, they're just trying to make the best of the situation. But but Christmas is, is, is nice, but there's a reason for it. 70 games. It's going to be 72, but 70 games is what most of the teams need to get fully paid for their local TV deal, their RSN deal, you know, the, you know, the, yep. their average game. And that cobbled all 30 teams together, that's more than a billion dollars a year. Uh, now the national TV deal is worth like $2.5 billion. That's a lot more money. But if they start going down to 50 games, they have to start writing checks back. They Even if they're going to lose their, their some of their gate, they wanted all of that billion with their local TV deal. So that was 
part of what was explained to the players in this is if we start taking away more money from the revenue pie, that's even less that you can get. And that's ultimately why we're going to get an agreement. Yeah, I, I don't think you can have a sport go dark. We, we saw that with Major League Baseball. It was important to get it back and have it part front and center for the national sporting fan to say, okay, there's baseball there. Now it's the money side of things, and we know about the NBA. Big national TV contracts, pretty big local TV contracts. That's why you're going to see them back and playing by the 22nd. I'm sure the players don't want it. I get it. If I'm a Laker, if I'm a Miami Heat member, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm cooked right now. My body is cooked. I just spent three months in a bubble. I just spent three months in a bubble. I, I want to just kind of catch my breath, get my body right, get back with my family. But yet, it's the almighty dollar. Follow the dollar. Uh, let's see. Alex Cora, by the way, if you haven't heard yet, Boston bringing him back after everything that they've gone through. How about the punishment for Alex Cora and these guys? About 60 games. That's it. So he's back. A.J. Hinch back in Detroit. I've got to wonder if the Mets, with new ownership, reach out to Carlos Beltran in some form or fashion. Now, they like their manager. However, that has to ease, you would think. You would think the path for Carlos Beltran back into baseball. If Hinch is back in, Cora's back in, Carlos Beltran, who is so well-respected. I know Carlos. He's a very, very nice man. you got to think that he's going to have that that greased a little bit to come back into baseball. I just don't get how you can completely switch your perspective just because Cora and Hinch were suspended. You couldn't hire Beltron then, but oh wait, now, now it's fine. They did their time. They're good. Dave Matter of the Post-Dispatch. You hear him on our show every once in a while. Covers uh, Mizzou Athletics for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Just tweeted out that Mizzou and Illinois still in discussions uh, about the bragging rights game. Their non-conference schedule for Mizzou will include Oral Roberts, Wichita State, Liberty, Bradley, and TCU. So would love to see Mizzou and Illinois somehow hook up. I still want to see Mizzou, Illinois, SLU, Missouri State. I don't care, but locally get it together some way, somehow. Let's cross it over. Ribs and, B- Ribs and BK, they're coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Here we go. This is Ribs and BK. It's coming up next. You're a little quick on that that mic draw right there. We got we got BK going. I like that. I like going back and forth. They're talking about the Derek Gould interview yesterday. You can listen to that interview on the 101 ESPN website. I think this is a tremendous moment in uh, broadcast history to have a Ribs and BK crossover in which Ribs and BK are actually in here. How about this, Dan? Welcome this is, to Friday. This is great. Well, this B- is really... BK's usually not even here yet. All right. I'm done with both of you already. It's <laughs> <laughs> 10.58 and I'm already getting thrown under the bus. Uh, Fantastic. Know, Jamie's back there crunching the numbers, getting yep. the guests. I get it. I know what you're going through, I, BK. I do get guests. I'm not you sure. Do. That, that is not, true. Not about the crunching Colton numbers. Colton Pareko coming up at 11.30 today. The, uh, Future Blues captain of the Blues. That's great. Going to Join us Three coming up here in about 30 captain. minutes or so. So the the captain, the uh, future captain of the Blues, uh, Colton Pareko. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We're talking about that. I, I've changed my tune, okay? The 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 guy in me, the, the realist in me says, okay, it's Ryan O'Reilly. It's a no-brainer. But now that we're going to switch and say, okay, Colton, you're the guy. you got to take this next step forward. You're, you're this elite defenseman. You're going to be playing all different situations. Six years in the league, Jamie, I'm saying give him the seat. Give him the C. He's going to be here for a while, maybe here long term. I'm saying give him the C. And I know you don't agree with that, and probably no one else does either. But I'm just throwing it out there because it's hot talk radio. Okay. Yeah, just throw hot, it out there, man. Hot taken. When right in now. doubt, just throw it out there. Hot taken. 
And you got uh, Bobby Boogie or Boogie Bobby? Bobby, Bobby Boogie. Boogie. Bobby Boogie. He Does he know you loves... call him that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he loves Called it. him on the air. I asked him, I Jamie said, do you have a nickname? He's like, I don't really know. And I was like, oh, you know what? From now on, you're Bobby Boogie. <laughs> he, he lost it. And he was good with <laughs> it. That was funny, yeah. He was good with it. <laughs> he loved it. So Bob Nightingale is coming up. All right. He had the report yesterday, by the way, on uh, Lindor. Francisco Lindor saying that he's available. And we're going to get a little bit more into that coming up next as well. Looking forward to it. Ribs BK, have a great weekend. Scotty, great job. We'll talk to everybody 10 o'clock Monday on Scoops with Danny Mac.